Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. My special guest tonight is award-winning poet Ashanti Anderson. Her newest poetry collection is a searing and thought-provoking work titled Black Under. In Black Under, she reflects on the African-American experience during, through several eras. I'd like to welcome you, Ashanti, to this program. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm really excited about tonight because, again, when I think about you and your work, I don't know. I just feel good inside. I just feel good inside. I want to thank you for your contribution to the canon. Oh, ooh, the canon. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for, for that compliment. <laughs> well, let's, let's begin our journey together. What is poetry? Um, to me, poetry is is truth telling. What do you mean by that? I think that poetry is the art, not necessarily of telling facts, um, but of of telling the truth as we can see them, uh, whether it be of um, humanity or of the world at large. I think that um, us poets are tasked with with being prophets essentially. Um, <laughs> and that may be a little a little self important, but I do think I do truly believe that to be if poetry is to um strive for anything, that would be the thing that I would hope that it strives for to 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 tell the truth and to to reflect and and to really articulate what it what it means to to exist and to be oh, wow. in community with one another. I like that. I like that to exist and be in community with one another. It's beautifully stated. Beautifully stated. What are some of the predominant themes of your work? For me, I am I am very, very interested in a perception, um, especially across racial lines. I'm very interested in in community and particularly in the ways that we have failed uh, to come together uh, as a community. So, so okay. under really, really tries to get at, you know, what what has what have I been through, you know, and, and can you really, whether it's myself, but more often it's a persona of someone, what has this person been through, and, and can you relate to those feelings? Can you relate to, you know, that grief? Can you relate to um, that resignation? 
what did you learn about yourself writing Black Thunder? Black Under, excuse me. Uh, yeah, I think I learned, ultimately I learned that I was going to write poems that really addressed what I wanted to get at, what questions I really wanted to ask society at large, and I wasn't going to to write necessarily um, to a particular audience or necessarily to achieve a certain goal other than that of of grappling with my own internal questions. Um, and I think that what I share with others is definitely valuable, but it has to come from a place of just curiosity and, and yearning from within myself. Were there any surprises that you found? Any surprises? Yeah. When I first started writing Black Under, I definitely thought that it was going to be longer, for one, <laughs> and two. All right, uh, all right. That that it was that it was going to be more focused on like this world of art and creation. And when I really got down to the heart of Black Under, um, and really came away with the poems that I felt spoke to the questions I was asking the most, um, you know, I think what I, what I ended up with was a surprise, a very, very pleasant surprise, but a surprise nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Now, if you had to convince a colleague or a friend to purchase black under, what would you tell them? (laughs) Um, we do it all. We do it all in this program. <laughs> <laughs> I love that question because it it assumes that the person knows me, and if the person knows me, um, this, this might sound this might sound like a brag, but to those who know me, they know I they know I write this stuff. They really do. So all even right. <laughs> Even if it's just out of sheer curiosity, you know, what are you up to now? You know, I think that really, I would just have to remind them, you know who you're talking to here. I write this stuff. You, you. It's, it's, it's well written. It sounds great. It feels great when you whisper it to yourself, you know, like you have to definitely, mm-hmm. you definitely have to get this book. All right. Well, now is the time for you to favor us with some of your work. I look forward to hearing it. I am going to start with Ode to Black Skin. Hmm. You are dark as religion. Remember God could not have named a modicum of light without you. You are plum. Black current, passion, fruit in another woman's garden. You are black as and as if by magic. Black, not as sin, but a cave jaw clamps shut by forgiveness. Color of closed wounds and bellies of ships. You, dark as not the tree trunk, but it's every cleft. I chart each crescent moon rising above fingernail and rub together my thighs for want of you. 
I try to find you where the pages of books meet. You hang where men or piano keys segregate. When I miss you, I remember the hickey the sun left on the back of my neck. If I forget, I smoke blunts down to my fingertips and beg you to come on my lips. This is how I pray for you when I'm not pessimistic. I bow to your darkness like I kneel beside a child's bed, confessing as gospel. There's no monster here. Thank you. Mm. Wow. I am not worthy to be in your presence. That was exceptionally powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is... That was good stuff. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Give us another. Give us another. Okay, okay. Um, I am going to read acrostic for my last breath. If I'm ever out of oxygen, cut the comms, switch the radio, play a song by Whitney or Aretha, something no sense can pause my throat from pardon for. Gonna throw my sorrows into this vast black void that don't even have space to hold tune or blues, but I don't seem to be heard. I do it to keep on. Ring diaphragm and rattle lung like sickness. Each eighth note a reason to stay living. Can't take a rest. Might hear the senses whining. That worried, heaving falsetto of silence. How I hate the sound of dying. Rather risk, even if everything in me stops screaming. Thank you. Wow. How does a poem begin for you, Ashanti, with an idea, a form, or an image? For me, an idea. I'm a big idea person. Okay. I, I Tell me more. What I, want. <laughs> I, I try to think about what I want to, what, I, what situation I want the poem to occur in. Um, whether that is, you know, I want to celebrate this thing or I want to perhaps imagine that I am in outer space and I'm running out of, out of oxygen. And, and yeah, so it's, it starts there for me with the, with the idea and I try to make it work from there. Okay. Now people write Everywhere. You name it, that's where they write. Where do you write? Where's your favorite place to write? My favorite place. Uh, I have an office at my home. I think that's my favorite place because I, mm-hmm. I can easily go in and out of writing to doing other things, to which kind of jogs my mind so then I can get back to writing without having to drive this one place and try to get it all out and, 
you know, so I, I like I like writing at home. I have an office, and I, I do most of my writing there. All right. Give us another poem. Tonight is about you. Give us another poem. All righty. Um, I'm going to read Laughing to the Bank. I don't write of the cartoonish thing split and jagged at its insides. Instead, how I break even on backs spindled by hate. I tell God I understand what I mean. Good people must die to let there be light in my house. We share a likeness, God and I both laughing like green folded our throats. Laughing mean while somebody's auntie asks for anything helps. Laugh when people say they don't want to read about the bad. Crying laughing as we pass pain off as an offering plate. Sometimes I nervous chuckle, knowing trauma pays. But the only time I really laugh is when I'm laughing to the bank. Thank you. (laughs) You know, as you think about poetry, we've all had experiences from from young age up until whatever. What was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? And do you come from a literary background? I'll answer the second question first. I'm not sure okay. if I come from a literary background in the sense that um, my parents didn't read a ton of poetry specifically, and I actually got mm-hmm. into poetry a bit late in my education. Um, but I will say that a time that i I really realized that poetry or that that words really have this power. Um, Excuse me for paraphrasing the question. I think I I think a fond memory that I have of that is uh, one of my early experiences writing poetry. I think it goes hand in hand. I wrote a poem. Um, and this was a while ago. It was about um, Trayvon Martin not getting to celebrate another birthday, um, and I and I shared that poem with a few folks and saw how it really moved them. And I think largely that is one of the experiences that led to me being a poet today, really seeing that words have this power to really move people and make people feel this way, um, and not just the poets that I read, right, but that I also could could do this um, and really bring people together this way and, and bring forth emotions this way. Um, and I think that's really a memorable experience for me as far as defining when, when I really saw that words mm-hmm. held power for, for a lot of people. You know, speaking of poets that you've read, all great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours, and what makes them great in your eyes? 
Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I definitely have influences, one of which is my contemporary and a dear friend of mine, um, Jasmine Elizabeth Smith. She has a forthcoming poetry collection that um, I also should promote because she um, she has informed my poetry in so many ways. Um, we work and write closely with one another um, and it's mm-hmm. she's just very talented. As far as people who I I don't know personally, so it's uh, <laughs> I can still give mm-hmm. glowing endorsements. I am a huge <laughs> fan um, and and try to model a lot of my work off of work by Natasha Trethaway. Um I am also very very enamored with the work of Donna Smith. Um, Soma Sharif, uh, Denisa Kelly. These are all people who, as I was writing Black Under, whose work I was returning to time and time again as I was trying to craft my own masterpiece. Oh, your own masterpiece. I like that. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) So thinking about other poets, which favorite poet or what favorite poet would you wish would have been your mentor? Maybe you've already had this person serve as your mentor. Um, I will have to apologize to all my poetry teachers because, no, they are not <laughs> who I would name. Um, for <laughs> sure, I would, I would want – and I actually didn't name this person, which is the crazy thing, so I'm glad this question came about. But um, if, if Frank X. Walker would – descend down from poet heaven and be my mentor, um, <laughs> I would probably be the happiest poet on earth. So um, <laughs> that's, that's Tell me how why. I feel about that. <laughs> Tell I, me why. Um, his work is, in my opinion, marvelous in that it doesn't overly rely on um, this extensive vocabulary, it doesn't even rely on necessarily abstract images and similes. Like Frank X. Walker has a way of giving you the truth by presenting the irony within an image. Like he'll have a poem where one half of the poem is a person with a recipe uh, who's it's like a it's like a recipe and then the other half of the poem is literally you know someone being violent to another person and and seeing these two things like when you talk about beating an egg and you know beating this person for example and presenting these things in a way where you would never on your own draw these comparisons between these two images, but somehow this this man found them and put them together in this poem. So now every time you beat an egg, you think about Frank X. Walker. And I think that is, or maybe that's just me, but <laughs> that's, that's really how, how it feels. Um, and I would love to just have that vision and just be able to look at something and say, that is a poem. Do you see do you wow. see what I'm seeing? That's a poem. Yeah. Wow. Very nice. Let's take a brief break and we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
We are back. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. I'm here with Ashanti Anderson. Ashanti, please share another poem. All righty. I'm going to read, Sister, pick which battle to win when you choose to lose the war. I tried staring at the sun once because I needed a metaphor. I held my head in a lake breathed sediment, cut my wrist with tiny blades of sand. I think about suicide. Often, I think of other people doing it. I think about women too strong to be my ancestors, stepping off a ship and into the ocean's font, that baptism, the salvation of discontinuity. I remember My heroes shoved their heads inside cannons to muffle the blow. Their oath, death is emancipation enforced. And over and over, I repeat, I have to tell my baby. Thank you. Wow. Your work is the kind of work you need to take time to think about because it's so deep. How important is accessibility? Should you have to work to solve a poem? How do you feel about that? I think it depends. And I think each poet has a different degree to which they, you know, they, they measure, you know, how much accessibility is, is okay before they feel like they've kind of given it away or given or lost the art of the poem. For me personally, okay. I I think I think that it shouldn't be hard. And I don't I hope that I hope that black unders poems aren't hard. At least at least I will say I hope not difficult for the poems to resonate. I do think that yeah. Please take time, you know, read the poems more than once, um, you know, really try to get through them. But at base level, if I can convey that same emotion that I was trying to achieve in the poem, if you've got that, you know, and I think I think that's something that should be accessible. If a person has to kind of swim through things to try to figure out the emotional weight of the poem, I think that can yes. be a bit off-putting. But I try to just hit people with it up front, and then it's like, okay, if you can stand that, then you can spend time more with this poem and really, you know, hear what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Now, when we think about the word emotion, we, we know what that means. We should know what that means. Do you think that someone can be called a poet if they don't feel strong emotions? I think so. I think going back to, you know, how I define poetry as truth-telling, I think there yes. can be truth, too, in seeing things more logically. Um, and I think that some poets do that as well, where they maybe present things a bit more objectively, and I do think that mm-hmm. there is truth in that as well. 
Let's talk a bit about the title of your book, Black Under. Tell me about the creation of the title. Yeah, Black Under went through a few titles, most of which I don't remember. I settled on Black Under uh, because in one of the poems, uh, the poem Self-Portrait in Blackface, um, it starts with the line, I am black and black underneath. And just a little context behind Blackface, um, there was for a period of time where where black folks were allowed to participate and act in these in these menstrual shows as a way of achieving money or fame or what have you. But for whatever reason, they still had to. I say for whatever reason, but we know the reason. They still had to. We know the reason. To to cover their face in burnt cork. They still had to put the red around their mouth. They still had to appear as though they were a minstrel of a black person. And that ultimately um, is really getting at the heart. I mentioned um, a little earlier about how I'm sort of obsessed with expectations. And the title Black Under really comes from me looking at, you know, who I am, I'm a black woman, and yes. what what do people expect me to say? And then if I choose to talk about those things, is it because I actually want to talk about them or is it because I'm being asked to be this caricature of myself? Because mm-hmm. as a black artist, we are sometimes tasked with, okay, well, why do you want to talk about trauma? And it's like, well, you know, no one has a monopoly on this, you know, but at the same time, I want to be cognizant of, you know, who am I having this conversation with? So in a way, it's me just being aware of the of the mask that sometimes Black creatives um, feel pressure to wear. And just saying, you know, I acknowledge that this is a performance potentially, you know, if I if I were to treat it that way. But I'm instead choosing to to come at you on my own terms. That makes me think about a lot of things. I mean, being black sometimes is more than a notion, and um, mm-hmm. having having vehicles where we can write and discuss and share about our experiences is so important, so important. I really believe that. I've always believed that. Mm. You know, one of the things that I like about your work and I like about your voice, your voice is very strong, very powerful. What is the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice? Hmm. <laughs> I think my, my speaking <laughs> voice is, is pretty expressive, <laughs> which I yes. hope also comes yes, across when I'm, when I'm reading. Yeah, and I think for one, is I, I just like reading my poems, and I think that helps. Let me stop you for a second. Let me, let me stop you for a second. You feel good about yourself, don't you? I just sense that, that you feel good about who you are as a unique individual, proud and empowered to be who you are. That's the, that's the sense that I get from you. 
Yeah, I mean, why not? Everybody <laughs> should feel that way. <laughs> they should, but Ashanti, you know they don't. You know they don't. <laughs> no, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I'll be and I'll be honest. You know, it takes me. It takes me some time. And some and sometimes some life experiences I have try to knock me out of that. Right, but yes. when I get to talking about poems and I'm in my zone, like <laughs> when I'm when I'm a poet, you can't you can't tell me nothing. When I'm a oh, poet, you know, oh, when you when I you, agree. When you catch me on the street, when you catch me on the street and I'm just regular old grocery shopping with Shanti, you know, you might just do me any kind of way. But I'm like, <laughs> Well, I'm going to share that I've always felt when I've been re- when I recite poetry or share it that I'm in my truest essence. And you're right; you can't tell me anything during that mm-hmm. time. But once mm-hmm. I'm out of that zone, that's a different story. But when I'm in that zone, <laughs> <laughs> See, you, you know what I'm so talking about? Yeah. Yes, of course I do. <laughs> share another poem, Ashanti. Let's get back on the on the right foot. Share another poem. <laughs> All righty. I am um, gonna read. Let me see here. I'm gonna read. Let's do slave ship high button. All right. One day, a descendant of ours will go on a carnival cruise and still find time to think of us. She will hear the boom hiss of a house mix, but think it is impossible to be at peace without understanding it. Hmm. She will stare down a wave, study its dance moves, note the direction it takes depends solely on the angle of her own glance. And she will wonder, is that the most profound thing she might learn about water? She will crawl under the bed in an attempt to imagine how we once felt, then curse at having too much space to move. At 6.30 in the morning, she will spill a bowl of grits on the liquor-soaked deck and eat the cold, bleached cornmeal with her hands. She will ponder disease. She will envisage death, and she will speculate. The gulls must have stepped near us to pluck between planks for grain as they do now. But she thinks not of how we watch the birds circle overhead, bomb beak first into the ocean. Each in our own way, we began to imitate. A few of us induced feathers. I plucked a plume, made a quill. Crabs scratch backs, cloth steel, hail. One's back to another is a ladder home. Mm. Thank you. Wow. Your poems have amazingly detailed titles, the ones that I've heard so far. What role should a title play for a poem? In my opinion, the poem should should pull its own weight. I think the I try to give poems titles that give context so that I don't have to spend time in the poem itself explaining to the reader what I what I need them to already know. All right. 
All right. All right. I like that. You know, when we think about a poem, let's imagine for a moment that a poem is like a cake, like the creation of a cake. What are some of the most prevalent ingredients that would go into the concoction we call a poem? If it's like a cake. Hmm. Okay. For me, I think you would start with the, for me, the, the, the image, what you want to, what you want to say. So I guess this would look like, I guess, I don't know. I don't, I don't bake, so this is going to mess up this, okay. this metaphor. But oh, I don't I'm know if I want any of your cake, man. If you don't bake, <laughs> if you don't bake, well, go ahead and bake this one. I, I don't know if I want it. <laughs> I'm, assuming a bit of, I'm assuming quite a bit of flour goes in it. So, <laughs> you know, I think the, the images are definitely the flour, you know, making up the substance of it. and then And then for me also I'm adding – you know, I'm thinking about sound, so maybe that's some vanilla extract, I guess, depending on what kind of cake you make in here. And and mm-hmm. um, for me, too, also, the poems on the page, I pay attention to form and how they look, um, which isn't important to everyone, but for me, that's definitely a key ingredient. Um, and And also... I don't even know what to call it. It's like a secret ingredient, but that thing okay. that's at the end of a poem that makes you just go, mm. whatever that <laughs> secret ingredient is, I throw that in there too. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> whatever it is, <laughs> if it makes you go, mm. <laughs> <laughs> then it needs to be in the poem. It's, 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 and I, I can't tell. I cannot tell you what it is. <laughs> All right. All right. When you think about writing, does it energize or exhaust you? It energizes me. It tell me more. Me. It has to. I have to. Um, I made. I made a point for it to energize me. I think. I got to a point where it started to feel exhausting and then I realized that I probably wasn't writing things that I actually wanted to write. So now when I when I actually sit down to write, you know, I have a smile on my face. I'm I'm speaking mm. with myself like I'm having a great right. time and I and I try to use that as like a kind of a metric like am I writing for me or am I writing cuz it's a lot going on in the world and I feel like, you know, I have to comment on that, you know, and, and I okay. can tell based on my reaction when I'm writing it, whether or not, you know, I'm really doing my best work or not. Mm. You know, you talked earlier about the importance of truth telling, and I want you to share with us, potentially in a nutshell, if you can, what do you see as being the role of a poet in modern day society? Hmm. I think in a nutshell, the role of the poet in modern day society is to show us what we could be if we keep going the way we're going 
Okay. And show us what we could be if we went in a different direction. So basically like an oracle. Okay, okay. All right. An oracle. Give me just a little bit more. What about this oracle oracle is important? I think that poets have the ability we tend to have very keen insight and I think that we can use this insight in one way or another to predict the future. Now how predicting the future works, because um, I don't want anybody to think I'm being, you know, overly occult or anything like that. But just literally if you look at a person's behavior over a set trajectory, you can sometimes predict how certain events are going to pan out for them. Just like if you ever thought, you know, like, oh, I know them. I know, you know, I know how they would react. You know, that's kind of what, you know, future, predicting the future is just without, you know, all the spirituality attached to it. And I think by poets being able to look at a situation and see the truth within that situation we can then go forth and say, you know, this is what a better world could look like, but you might have to work on this little issue you got over here, you know, or we mm-hmm. might need to come together and put aside differences on this thing so that we can move together. So I think, you know, really reading poetry and seeing you know, like, oh, what is the, essentially, what is the truth of this situation that they're showing us? And then how does that really, you know, how does that show us how we can be, you know, nicer human beings to one another, better stewards of the earth? Um, I think poetry does that. If you think about it, you know, that far, (laughs) which not everybody does. (laughs) It's true. That's true. It's true. True. What do you view as being the most difficult part of your artistic process? The most difficult part um, is definitely the fact that I don't get paid more than I do. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. No, oh, hey, I mean, hey, let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. I mean, you know, and I and I don't like I'm blessed to not need to write poetry to survive because that would be that's a rough life that I don't wish on anyone but um I mean there's also some liberties though to it not being you know totally in in you know economic interest you know I am afforded more you know I feel like freedom and flexibility, but also at the same time, you know, this is something that I take very seriously and that I, you know, work very hard on. So it is interesting, you know, as a genre of all the writing genres, it feels like poetry sometimes feels like the least appreciated. Yes, Um, I'm with you. So, yeah, that is something that kind of gets at me. Sometimes I don't let it, you know, take over, but I'm like, oh, like, 
because I write in other genres, and literally every other genre pays me better than poetry. And I'm like, oh, but this is the one I like the most. <laughs> you know, so like, can I just do this one? And the world is like, no. <laughs> well, give time, us sure. <laughs> your free time. Give us another poem. Give us another poem. Okay, I'm going to read. Cleaning up men's messes. (laughs) What of this women's work? It pays unwell the daily sweep of bread and glass crumb. Grandkids think I'm picky because I'm always fussing them for even how they walk, sliding feet, scooting my rugs. Just don't want them to notice the cold blood stain on the carpet beneath as I grieved long before pouring isopropyl alcohol libation. I wipe counters clean as catsup and remember glass bottles and hot spit lobbed like Molotov cocktails, porcelain plateware broken across backs of skulls of school kids. Built my house with bricks thrown through my window. When not cleaning commodes or windows or open wounds, there is much to be sewn. Busted knees patching, shirt gnawed by dogs or asphalt, buttons ran off in another man's fist. Once I'm done with that, I still got to cook a meal we can all sit down for. Ben learned, cold beer move a man much as any fire hose. How I was raised, women should be felt, not heard. Reverse must be true for men. If not the ring of a bomb so close it fevers your ear, it's whiskey-thick threats. Every night I hear somebody else's sliding feet along my neighbor's driveway. Yes, they think being strong means throwing their weight around or starting fires or coming home to hit women. But men ain't too much different from us. I, too, find myself trying hard not to love a man. We all bend to the will of hard water, know how hard it is to sleep with the sink full of broken dishes, windows, schools. Thank you. Wow. I felt that one. What does it mean to be a black woman in the field of poetry? I think it means to... Honestly, right now, I think ushering in a new movement in in Black art and Black poetry, a renaissance, if you will. I may be speaking a little, um, I won't say prematurely, because I think it is happening. I think um, right. it's not something that is, is so much being um, talked about, but I think that we are moving into into a healthy processing of what's going on in the world around us, um, moving towards really centering um, joy. And I think as a black woman, you know, being able to hold both of those at the same time is, you know, a skill, but one that we have kind of, 
been raised up into doing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think as a black poet mm-hmm. in general, definitely turning towards celebrating this joy um, is is a beautiful a beautiful moment in time and in history. Um, and I'm proud to be a part of it. All right. I like that. Let's take a brief break and we'll be right back. We are back. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. I am here with the wonderful Ashanti Anderson. Question for you, Ashanti. Mm-hmm. Has a poem ever humbled or frightened you? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> I mean, I so what took me a while to answer is because I have to think and I I like when when hasn't it? When hasn't a poem oh, wow. humbled me oh. or frightened me? Oh. I think That's I good. just I I just read um just the poets I read every I just um just fascinated with the work that's coming out. And I think every time I read something, it is, it is inspiration <laughs> because they, okay. they put me, they put me in my place and they're like, no, when you are ready to play, you, you let us know. And it just, it inspires me to, to be a stronger poet. All right. I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Now, You've been out there a while, been writing for a while, been successful. If you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? Hmm. If I could tell my younger writing self anything, I would tell myself to read I don't know, I guess atomic habits or something and figure out how to sit your butt down and write something every day, even mm-hmm. if it never sees the light of day. I think, because that's what I'm working on now. And I, I, I just, I think, crack the code on being a daily writer um, and I'm not there 100% yet, but I'm I'm definitely. But I think if I would have started back when I first was writing, and just kept up with it, um, I would I would just 
I will feel a lot better about it. I won't even say I'll have like three books out by now or anything like that because that's not really how that works. But I like the practice of sitting down and writing every day, especially since it is something that I genuinely enjoy so much, you know, why not Mm -hmm. do it every day? So uh, that's definitely, I would tell myself, sit down, figure out how to make this a habit and, and do it and, and love it, you know, and if you don't love it right now, figure out how to make yourself love it because, you're going to love it one day and you're going to, you know, you're going to want to do this every single day. Um, and I think the mm. sooner I could have gotten started on that, the better. All right. You know, the world has changed as we've talked about so much in so many different regards. Do you believe social media contributes to the well-being of poetry? I think so. Yeah, I think social media influences the well-being of us as humans in general, no matter what we're talking about. Um, And oftentimes that's that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, But for poetry specifically, I think that, you know, I for one am able to have conversations with people that I otherwise never would have been able to have conversations with. And I don't know a ton of folks outside of other poets who are really having a lot of discourse around poetry, who are really sharing poetry. So, you know, I think, I think social media is great as far as introducing more people to it, having more conversations and connecting with one another. And I think Mm -hmm. in a lot of aspects, social media can be pretty negative, but my experience with it in the poetry community specifically has actually been, um, been pretty positive. Wow, very nice. You know, writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons. Some write primarily to speak a message to their audience. Others write because to stay silent is not an option. After all of this, why do you write? I write to leave an archive. I I want to be. I want someone in the future, after I'm long gone, to be like, wow, like this was a person that I identify with that, you know, I I share a likeness with and look at the things that they did and look at the conversations they were, they were having at the time with all that was going on in, in that time period. And I hope that someone will read me then or read my work then and will will really feel, you know, em, empowered to do what they need to do for their generation. Mm, a beautiful, beautiful answer. An archive. I like that so much. You know, we have time for two more poems. Please favor us. Okay. I'm going to read, let's see, I'm going to read one of the Bust of the Beheaded poems. All right, so Bust of the Beheaded. It is rumored that the human brain remains conscious several seconds after being decapitated from the body. So in this particular poem, we hear from Leroy. 
who was beheaded for running away to be with his lover. For you, I run past ivy, iron, hound's maw, and high water. Find another man's field for where might weave twine legs like snakes and bad suggestions. Let us sip skin salt till our lips feel like our bronze heels and our steel toes have feeling in them again. Till my breath stinks of daffodil milk, till you have followed my constellation of limbs to arise it. This spine of mine has never held wicker basket nor whip, so it'd be easy for me to think every groan spiritual, every stroke to strike a pickaxe into good ground. I envy the ugly. How gravity nibbles the corners of your lips, unpaid labor tugging on your shoulders each sunrise. I do my best to imitate bent and open like the shotgun loading, like the half-bidden moon, like misread scripture, like your arched and aching back, the grooves wide enough for my fingertips to ride your river of flesh. I will end with a poem called Resignation. This, my two-week notice. I am tired with comparing my body to heavy things, holding death like my grandmother's house. I erased my smile in another poem because someone said it made no sense. Understand, I am done writing about the black girl emptied. I'm off to find a brown boy with his ghost still in him. Last week, I slipped and busted my mouth on asphalt. And if you want the blood, I will have for you my red, wet grin. Thank you. Wow. Ashanti, I think you are brilliant. Did you hear me? Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) As you think about your readers, what piece of advice would you give to them? Oh, hmm. My advice would be to listen. Mm-hmm. We could all we could all do more listening. Yes, I, like I agree. General advice. No matter what you're going through, no matter what type of person you are, I think we could all be better listeners. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 I like that. Well, speaking of listening, where can listeners find your work? Oh, yeah. Check out my website, um, AshantiCreates.com. I also have a mailing list. Sign up is free. I literally don't try to sell you anything. I uh, <laughs> just keep you updated on my life and what I'm going through and why I'm procrastinating or what I'm buying from whatever online store I found. So it's all good fun. Um, you can reply if you want to. I'm I'm really big on, you know, community and communicating with, with readers and, and folks who really enjoy my work. So I I hope to see some of you or hear from some of you there. What is is in the works for you next? 
I am working on a full-length poetry collection. Um, fingers crossed it is finished within the next 10 years. I'm just kidding. I am. I'm really working on it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, be, on the, be on the lookout for that. I'm also um, hopefully one day – I'll be also a famous screenwriter. So then, you know, if you ever get tired of poems, you can watch a movie. So keep a look out for that. Once again, the, the archive, right? So the sooner I can, I'm I'm planting the seeds now. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, folks will listen now and be like, whatever happened to Ashanti Harrison? Did she ever write that <laughs> other book? And yeah, I did. And I did all this other stuff too. So, you know, I'm just putting everything out there and I hope, yeah. you know, y'all can hold me accountable. I need that sometimes. <laughs> right. Is Black Thunder available on Amazon? It is, yes. Okay, great. Great, always important. I think you are fantastic. You are welcome on my platform anytime. Anytime you just want to, you just want to breathe. Yes, just breathe. You're welcome. <laughs> anytime you want to vent, you're welcome. I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so nothing much. Nothing but the best, truly. <laughs> it was an honor, seriously. I'm so happy to hear you say that. I'm gonna take you up on that. <laughs> well, do that. Just hey, hey, I'm a man of my word, and uh, like I said again, you are fantastic. Well, everyone, it's time to end this journey. I want to again thank my guest, Ashanti Anderson, and I want to thank you all for listening. And as I share every week. Let poetry ring throughout the land. Be careful. Be safe. Until next time, good night. Take care, everybody. Bye. You have just listened to the Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio Podcast with your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And make sure to catch our next episode. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.